do any of us feel like this has occasioned uh, some reflection that has gone something like, oh God, I was planning to do such and such. I wish I had done such and such. Yeah. Am I the only one? Because you're gonna make me feel real bad if I am. God's trouble in our hearts. This is a wake up call. This is a time to say, I should have done something. Lord, why didn't I? And I feel like a lot of why we didn't is because we didn't realize how much faith we were placing in systems we couldn't trust. And it's like, whoa, suddenly we see this is not what I thought it was. This is something completely different. Mm -hmm. Things that we've talked about, things that we've imagined over the years suddenly feel very possible. This system has been created with such interdependence, such interconnection, such international connection that you just take one block out and the Jenga tower comes down. Thank you, Jesus. That's what the Bible describes in Ezekiel and Isaiah when it describes Lucifer. He says, you have been corrupted by your multitude of tradings. How did the, the black plague spread? The bubonic plague, how did it spread? It was through trade. And those who were separated from that in the mountains of Europe, Eastern Europe especially, they're the only places in Europe that were not devastated. And how is this thing spreading? It's through international connectivity. You say, I thought connectivity was a good thing. Relationship is a good thing. But connectivity, if it's just about passing goods between people, it's not always a good thing. It's better to know those who labor among you. It's better to know the sources that you depend on for life rather than to trust systems that really can shut down in a matter of hours, as we have all seen. How many of you are glad that we were pushing on this food co-op for a while? Amen. Do you think it's just a coincidence? I mean, does that strike you as, oh, wow, flukes happen, they align in our favor. This was the Lord. Amen. And I think this is the Lord trying to unsettle us from our ease in Zion. Amen. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion, asleep in the eye of the storm. He's trying to shake us free and say, I want you to be free to run in the paths of my command. Not to crawl, not to slow walk, but to run, to move. That was the command. Take the vision and make it plain that they may run who hear it. The vision God has given us really is a vision we can run with. It's not a vision we have to sit there and mull over. It's a vision we can run with. But we have these upside-down priorities that totally preoccupy us in places where God has not called. God is not blessing. And so when he comes with the vision, it's not that it's unclear. It's that, oh, well, we've got these other things. I'm going to get around to it. I feel like that's part of what the Lord is speaking to me is there are things I was going to get around to, but we got to move in the timing of God. I'm thankful for the preparations we have made. But man, I'm mindful of the preparations we haven't. And I'm mindful to change that, to change that urgency of response. How many of you heard the podcast I put out recently? Amen. Well, that's what, that was the focus of it. Lord, change the tempo of our response, of our willingness. I was talking with Brother, uh, Brother, Brother Matthew and Brother Gabe, and I told them, I said, the next message I preach is going to be titled, Obviously, 
and so therefore. Remember when we were meeting outside yes. the fellowship hall? This was before we got into the weeds of this. But this was what the Lord had given me. Obviously, and so therefore, I'll talk with you about it afterwards too. We were a little deeper in the weeds at that point. <laughs> um, obviously, and so therefore. Can you kind of picture what I'm, what I'm getting at here? Obviously, and so therefore. And um, the word that we, the English word obvious comes from a Latin word that means in the way of. It shares the same root as obstacle or obstruction. Obvious means something that is right in front of you, that is in your way. And I want to talk tonight about the things that are obvious that have become roadblocks because they're not true. The obvious untruths that hinder us from obedience. I thought of this quote from Shakespeare. He says, Oftentimes to win us to our harm, the instruments of darkness tell us truths. They win us with honest trifles to betray us to deepest consequences. How many of you have ever heard the adage that says every lie has to have a germ of truth in it? That's basically what Shakespeare is saying. There's something, there's something powerful in every good lie, and that something is a little germ of truth, a little, little splice of accuracy. So I want to give you some examples of obviously and so therefore, and hopefully demonstrate how this obvious thing becomes an obstacle that keeps us from doing the right thing, which is God's will. Maybe Abraham said something like this. Obviously, God has promised that I would be the father of many nations. But obviously, Sarah is too old to have kids. And so therefore, it must be Lot. It must be Eliezer. It must be Ishmael. Obviously, and so therefore. You, you feel the double bind that Abraham was in? He was holding the promise of God captive to human limitations. He had a promise from God, but he said, obviously, Sarah can't have kids. She's 100 or 90. And so therefore, right? How about Jacob? I've got a promise of God burning in my heart, but Esau is my brother and the birthright belongs to him. Obviously, his God is his belly. He has no regard for the inheritance. And so therefore, I'm going to have to get it by hook or crook. I'm going to have to ma manipulate my way into winning this inheritance, this birthright. Is anybody catching on yet? <laughs> Maybe Jacob felt something like this when the famine was starting. Rachel was the one I loved. I knew her children were special in the purpose of God. But Joseph has been killed and Benjamin is the only one left. Obviously, I must hold on to him at all costs. And so therefore, he can't take the risk and go to Egypt. Maybe Peter felt this way. Obviously, Jesus is the Messiah. I just confessed that moments ago. And so therefore, I've got to get these notions out of his head about dying on a cross. We can't have our king dying on a cross. What about the Pharisees? Remember they called and they had a council? Obviously the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And so therefore, Jesus can't be him. What about Judas? 
Obviously, the kingdom requires funds, especially its money manager. And so, therefore, we shouldn't let such costly nard be wasted in a gesture of worship. Do you see how obviously and so therefore works? We take even things that are good, that are from God, like the promise of, of, a, of an heir, of a miracle. And we say, well, that's what we've got, but it wouldn't work this way and that way and that way and this way. And so therefore, we're going to do it. We're going to subject God's promise to the limitations of the flesh. Obviously, if the Messiah were the king of the Jews, he wouldn't let himself be crucified naked as a criminal. And so therefore, we must be justified in our condemnation of him. Obviously, this Jesus they called the Messiah is dead and his body locked in a sealed tomb with a Roman guard. And so therefore, all the talk about the coming kingdom was just a fantasy, just a big distraction from the things that matter, things that Herod is doing these days. And then the obvious didn't happen, did it? Amen. Obviously, if Christ is risen, it's time for the kingdom to be restored. And so therefore, he can't be about to ascend into heaven, can he? Obviously, Peter is locked in prison. I ministered this back in 2007. Obviously, Peter is locked in prison. And so therefore, that servant girl must be insane who's telling us he's at the gate. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Can we think of how we do obvious and so therefore? We feel a prompting of God to make some change in our lives. But we say, can I, can I, can I obey God? Can I make this change? Well, obviously I've got to provide for my family. And so therefore, I'm going to put this off. Whoa, did I provide for my family by putting it off? Or did I uncover my family by putting it off? Because what we think is obvious may just be an illusion, may just be an elaborate deception that is about to unravel before our eyes. We think that the culture that surrounds us is a given. It's not a given, it's a mirage. It's a house of cards. When Balaam was headed toward a terrible mistake, a wicked sin, for which he would be rebuked for the rest of time, his donkey was crushing his foot against the rock wall. Obviously, the donkey was an idiot. Or there was something in the way, an obstacle that wasn't the donkey's fault. An angel had a sword out ready to, ready to kill Balaam. The Lord had to open his eyes. Amen. It was obvious to Elisha's servant that all was lost because look at the company of the enemy, oh my Lord. Oh Lord, please show this young man what is not obvious to his eyes, to his carnal perspective. It was obvious to James and John that the Samaritan village needed to be burned with fire from heaven because they didn't give Jesus a hotel room that night. It was obvious to Saul of Tarsus that he was doing a God's work. He was doing God a service as he goes trotting off to Damascus. The greatest mercy God can give us is to blow out the assumptions that we have that we think are these immovable realities that are really just mirages. They're just illusions. And that's what's happening. And so this is a very exciting time. Amen. This is a time of potential. This is a time for us to be freed 
from these lies that we live by, that we don't even know we live by. There's active faith, risky faith, and then there's take it for granted faith. I didn't get down and check the joints of this chair before I sat in it. I didn't test to see, I'm testing a little bit now, but I didn't test to see whether the man who made it did a good job. There's faith in even passive things like sitting down. There's faith in everyday things like drinking water. There's faith in everyday things like going to the grocery store and assuming it's always going to be there when you need to take care of your family. You cannot live life without faith. Can man live without faith? No. Faith is the fabric that holds it all together. The question is, what is that faith posited in? Is it in your perspective? Then you're living by the obvious and you're living by the so therefore conclusions of the flesh. Is that faith posited, posited in God, in his word? Then you're seeing what flesh cannot see. You're hearing what the carnal man cannot hear or perceive. Maybe you're living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now you have your interpretation of what that means. But what's interesting is Jesus didn't elaborate. But he did establish that someone's perspective could lead them to hell. He talked about blindness in other situations. To the Pharisees, he said, they said, are we blind also? And he said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But because you say we see, your sin remains. Sometimes it's not the, it's not the blindness that is the biggest problem. It's the confidence in a viewpoint that is hellish. That's the biggest danger. Do you think their right eyes were causing them to sin in the way they knew Christ? As Paul also said, there was a time, you know, he was a Pharisee. He was probably standing there on the wrong side when they were peppering Jesus with questions. Thinking, oh man, that guy asked him a good one. Wait, what is he going to do with that? He was a Pharisee. And he said, there was a time when we knew even Christ after the flesh, but henceforth we know no man after the flesh. We saw what that did, how that worked out. Knowing Christ after the flesh, we crucified the Lord of glory. If we had known, if the rulers of this age had known, they would not have crucified the Lord, Lord of glory. But their right eye was causing them to sin. Their vision was bad. And so everything in their body was darkness. Everything that comes from that window or that light, as, as, as the Hebrews really saw it, it wasn't just an aperture through which you perceive light. It was its own kind of illumination, its own kind of wisdom. How many of you remember when I ministered a message, this kind of wisdom, amen, is earthly, sensual, and demonic from James? There's a certain kind of insight. There's a certain kind of perspective. Oh, it's penetrating. Oh, it's insightful. Oh, it's as sharp as a two-edged sword. But it's not quick and powerful. It's quick and deadly. Their tongue is a ready asp. It's a perspective that is designed to tear apart the Word of God. 
to stall the progress of the kingdom, to deflect the sword of salvation. Amen. It is not a sword of the Spirit. Amen. That is quick and powerful. So is it possible for our perspective to be our damnation? The obvious may just not be all that obvious. Therefore, from now on, we recognize. Recognition. Recognize. We recognize no one according to the flesh. What do the word recognize? What does it mean? It's like you see someone, I think I recognize him. It means that I think there's a memory of him and a form and image of him from some past encounter. And I think I'm going to attach him to that past encounter. The past is the flesh. Amen. So Paul says, we don't look around and say, I think I know him according to the flesh. I remember such and such. Do you understand? We all have that. But he says, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. We don't attach them to flesh memories or experiences. Even though we knew Christ according to the flesh once, yet now we know him in this way no longer. It's interesting he's in heaven, but Paul's still talking about knowing him in the present tense. He does not say we, we knew him. He says we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. He says if you want to be known different, get inside Christ, because he sure changed the way people looked at him. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I just, I want to ask us that question. Lord, how much have we been acting on, on this principle, obviously, and so therefore, and completely missing the timing, the purpose, the priorities that you have in mind? Amen? Amen. Amen. How, how would that have worked when they were in New Jersey deciding whether to go to Colorado? Obviously, we don't have the money. And so, therefore, let's wait it out. Don't you wish they had done that? They'd still be collecting, brothers and sisters. They'd still be raising it. Amen. They sold their vacuum cleaners. They sold their cassette players. They sold anything and everything, and they still didn't have what they needed. Because God doesn't build with our tools. And God isn't bound by our limitations. He calls those things that are not as though they are. He talks to the darkness and out comes the light. He finds a coward shivering in a wine press and out comes a warrior. He speaks to a shepherd and up pops a prophet and a king, and a warrior and a man of God. Amen. What God needs is people who will hear. And the particles of your possibility will start to come into shape and form and conform to the word that he sends into your heart. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I want to tell God I'm not doing obviously and so therefore anymore. I'm doing, Lord, speak to me. Amen. Speak to my heart. Amen. Prompt me. I want to do your will, God. Praise you.
And I meant what I said in that podcast, this is not a time for panic. This is a time to prepare. But the biggest preparation happens right here. It says, Lord, adhesions are broken. Excuses are gone. Readiness has come. I have girded up my mind and prepared it for action. I'm ready, Lord. Amen. Speak, your servant is listening. How many of you remembered a message that I spoke back in the old uh, warehouse where the Richie began the meeting that I ministered on? Believe you have received it and it will be granted to you. That's not my words, that's Jesus. He said about the fig tree that had been withered, he said, believe whatever you ask in faith, believe you have received it and it will be granted. And I asked myself, what is he telling us to trick our minds? Is he telling us to exercise self-deception and somehow the power of delusional positive thinking will make us happier people? Or is he suggesting that things change in the realm of belief before they manifest in the realm of the physical reality. Is that what he's telling us? Is he saying it's got to be real? you got to believe in it when it's just a word. And if it's real and a belief and a conviction in, in the realm of the spirit and the word, then it will be received. Amen. Believe you have, past tense, received, past tense, and it will be granted. And what do we believe? Do we believe whatever we hope for? No. Do we believe whatever we want to believe? No. We don't have faith in faith. We have faith in God. Faith comes by hearing. That's when we believe. When God speaks something, if we're a goat, we just go, meh, I didn't get it. But if God speaks something to us and we're a sheep, we go, uh-huh. That resonates. That touches a deep place in my heart. I just heard the shepherd talking to me. And I believe, therefore I have spoken. I confess, I believe with my heart, I confess with my mouth. So God, break down the false faith. Break it down. Break down the things that I should not have faith in. Reveal those to be the spirits of this world that they really are. And help me turn to you and ask why I didn't have more faith, because you've never failed me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And I asked in a subsequent meeting on the same topic, I asked, when Moses stretched out his rod to touch the rock, there were two times, you can pick either one, was the water in the rock before he touched it? I don't think so. Here's what I mean. If he had said, guys, I, it's probably me, but I've got this strange notion, and Aaron says I'm crazy, but I'm thinking I'm supposed to touch the rock, and... It may have been God, and it doesn't seem like it hurts. Don't laugh at me. I'm just going to see, you know. Uh, never mind. <laughs> what were we saying? Does anybody have that water filtration system worked out? You know, there would have been no water. If he had stretched it out over the, the Red Sea. You know, I, I don't know, but I have this inkling, so I'm just going to set up a tripod and... and uh, Lock my staff out over the sea tonight and see if by tomorrow it's parted. No, there is a way that you can disprove every promise of God. Because without faith, it ain't there. It's not that it's there, your faith just needs to prove it. It's that it's not there if you don't have faith in God. But if you know God's speaking to you, and you can stand on that. Hey man, Lord, I'm willing to be adapting. 
I'm willing to be conforming. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to realize I had a part, not the whole. But I'm not willing to compromise on what I feel. I know you're speaking to me. Amen. So come on, let's touch the rock in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been fishing with my dad, not recently, but I've been fishing with my dad, where he said to one of us, Oh, the only reason you're not catching anything is because you have no faith. Now, this is an ain't no lie. My brother's going to attest to this. Oh, the only reason you're not catching anything is because you have no faith. I want you to catch right out there between those two sticks, and you're going to catch something on the first try. Okay. I caught something on the, on the first try. But what if you say, eh, I don't think so, but what if Peter, Lord, <laughs> I've been doing this all night, and I don't know, I just don't believe it. He said, I've been doing this all night. And yet, and yet, because you said so, Amen. I got strength for one more cast. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's put it in. And we won't be able to take it out. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, increase our faith. Hallelujah.